Take your Bibles and turn to Jeremiah, if you would, chapter 17. Tonight I've entitled the message, The Root Problem. And we want to talk about that tonight. We're going to talk about the root problem of sin in our life and how we can handle it and, and the many expressions that it has. How we should see that tonight. So let me read the text for you. Jeremiah 17, beginning in verse 5, and we'll read to verse 10. Jeremiah 17, beginning in verse 5. Thus says the Lord. Now, there's going to be a contrast here in verses 5 and 7, and it's a strong contrast. So I want you to see tonight, this is contrasting two opposites. Okay? Not two of the same kind that are just different somewhat. No, two complete opposites. That's really, really crucial to get what we're saying tonight. One is cursed and one is blessed. You can't be any more polar extreme uh, than that. Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. Here's the simile or the, meta, the like. He is like a shrub in the desert and shall not see any good come. He shall dwell in the parched places of the wilderness in an uninhabited salt land. In contrast to that, blessed is the man, not who trusts in man, but who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. What is he like? Well, he's like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. And in the verse we probably all know, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick, or as the King James says, wicked. Who can understand it? It's rhetorical, and here's the answer. I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. Real briefly, the context of this passage that we're familiar with, that one verse in particular, is a context about the prophet Jeremiah denouncing Israel for its sin. And to do that and to paint the picture for them and for us tonight, he is giving us a picture of two trees. One is really called a shrub, and it's planted in the desert. The other one is called a tree, and you can, a few verses down, it's called a green tree. And that's because it is planted by the river. Um, when it gets down to it, he, he, let me give you the bottom line, the, 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 the results first, and move our way back a little bit. Verse 8 says, <coughs> it's preferable by far to be planted by the water, and here's why. Um, they don't fear when the heat comes, <coughs> and is not anxious in the year of drought. Do you see that? It says, no worries. There's a Hebrew word for that, hakuna matata. No, that's not really Hebrew, that's Disney. And it means no worries, really. That, that's what, it, when you have this kind of relationship with God, no worries. And so here's what Jeremiah wants to tell us in a nutshell. He says, I can tell you how you can deal with your fears and your worries. Wouldn't you like to have the secret to that? Wouldn't you like to think that no matter what fear I face, no matter what worry I experience, I would know exactly how to deal with it? 
And he's going to tell you that you can. Now listen, though, because you need to know the origins of your anxieties. And by origins, I mean the source of them. And, and when you know the source of them, you'll be able to solve them and deal with them and handle them correctly. So here's the principle that tells us how to deal with every problem, every worry, every fear we ever face. Because we have problems. That's a given, no? I mean, for example, in our culture today, racism. And most people, or a lot of people, would call that a sociological problem. It's a problem between people. Um, we have the problem today of transgender. That would be an identity problem, knowing who you are. Um, worry that we've already mentioned. Um, some would call that a psychological problem. But see, those categories and those labels, when the Bible was concerned, aren't enough. You're never going to be able to deal with those problems if all you do is give them categories or labels, especially if they are somewhat humanistic. But the Bible wants us to deal with them by dig digging deeper, to have a deeper diagnosis for them. So basically, Jeremiah would say, I'll tell you how to deal with your worries, but I first have to tell you about how to deal with your sin. See? And that's why tonight's message is called the root problem. And I would say that almost everyone I've ever counseled, and many people that I've preached these types of messages to, struggle and are defeated by and are constantly giving into all those things like worry and fear and emotional issues on a regular basis to the point where for some it's ruined their lives and relationships and has been a super big handicap in their life. And I would say it's because the vast majority of people try to solve them by dealing with symptoms and not with the source. And let me say it this way. They deal with it by trying to change the fruit without ever changing the root. And it's a big problem. And that's why humanistic psychology that has no God and no Bible in it, you may call them, and we do today, the experts. And I would tell you to beware because they are far from being experts. Because they have left God who made you out of the equation. <laughs> and we have all kinds of labels. And I won't even go on. That's another whole series. All the labels and all the categories and all the things that we describe, we describe our problems with without ever getting to the root of it. And in many cases, it is sin. So the two trees are going to tell us two things about the root of your problem, about the nature of your sin and mine. So we're going to look at the two things. The first two parts, the two things about our sin, I want to look at its root, and then I want to look at its fruit. So my, if you haven't caught it yet, my big idea tonight is sin is the root of all of our problems, either directly or indirectly. So let me unpack these two points tonight, these two truths about the nature of sin, which will help every one of us tonight deal with some of the difficulties that we handle in our lives. So let's do them one at a time. The root of sin. A definition that I wrote down that I think you can obviously get from the text, and you can see it there that this shrub is in the desert, and he dwells in the parched places in the wilderness. In contrast to that, verse 8, the other blessed man is like a tree planted by water, and here's the key, and they, that sends out its roots by the stream. And that is the complete difference between the two. Um, 
So here's my definition of sin. The root of sin is not putting your roots in God. It's that simple. Let me say it again. The root of sin is not putting your roots in God. In other words, putting them in something other than God. Um, so let me use that definition, apply it to both of these trees, and then in turn to our lives. A shrub is mentioned in uh, verse number five, six, I'm sorry. A shrub, and it's the Hebrew word arar, and it means a dwarf juniper tree. Now, I think we have a picture. That's what, or, or very similar to what a dwarf juniper tree. It has leaves sometimes, and see how the trunk of it and its limbs, if you could see if the leaves weren't there, they're very twisted. The Hebrew word used for this bush or tree is the same word in which we get naked. Now you say, well, why? Because in the desert place, too often because their roots are not in or by water, they only get water that's a runoff or puddles up in the little crevice that they've come out of, that they get all dried up and they get parched and they can't grow straight and it's twisted and they lose all of their leaves and they look like a tree that's naked. There's nothing on it. It looks awful. It's one of the, when you see that thing loses its trees, it's one of the ugliest trees you're ever going to see. And, and, and that's why they call it that. But in contrast, again, the other tree that has its roots, send them out by the water, it's described in verse 8 as being green and really green and you know anything about a desert climate, it doesn't always have a lot of water. It really, it's green no matter what happens. It's full, it's green, it's planted by the river. You know, the question is, what makes the difference, the total difference between these two trees? And the answer is, it's where the roots are. You know, what the, let me say it again. The difference between these two trees, it's where the roots are. Where the roots are located determines everything about the tree. So Jeremiah is going to tell us, and to Israel as his people, that sin versus godliness, whether you are a sinful person and you're controlled by sin or you're controlled by godliness, is a matter of where you put your roots. Now, I am no expert on trees or any of that kind of stuff, but I have read enough to know that roots do two basic things. They anchor and they absorb so why do you have roots and why do they have to be, why are they so crucial? Because if the wind comes, right, and it's very strong, you have to have your roots down deep enough and strong enough that you don't get blown over. Have you seen even this year, or worse, when Sandy came, and this year too, remember the windstorms we had? And you saw, you, and I don't know if you had, a, you had one that hit your fence, right, Wink? And we had one at the, here or the property. We had trees just turn over. I mean, from the roots up. I mean, pull the whole thing out. And that wasn't even a hurricane or anything. And, you know, and if you don't have your roots in the right place, see, the winds come and the weather comes. And it can, so roots are an anchor. They give strength to keep the tree from falling over. But they do more than just that. They not just go wide, they go down. You know why? Because sometimes that's how deep you got to go to get the nutrients out of the soil and the water that you actually need to stay healthy, right? And, and that's the difference between the two. Let me say it to you this way. Sin is putting your roots down somewhere other than in God. So let me tell you what that means. I don't want you to think, and I've been trying to impress this on you lately, 
Don't think that sin is, it is this, but it's not mainly this. Sin is not mainly a violation of God's rules. God has rules. He's got commandments, 613 in the Old Testament. He's got commandments in the New Testament. And when you sin, you are breaking God's commandments. There's rules. That is true, but that's not primarily what it is. We need a deeper diagnosis in that. Otherwise, we can start measuring ourselves about whether you're better or you're less of a sinner than someone else and that you're approaching godly. Because, see, I only brought, broke 50 rules and you broke 100 rules, so I must be at least better off than you are and sanctified or whatever. And God says, no, that's not the way it is because here's what he wants you to know. Sin is more than breaking the rules. It is a way of life. See, that's why he talks about it as roots. It's not just something you do from time to time. If you are the shrub and not the tree, it is what you do as a lifestyle. Sin and godliness are two whole different orientations of a heart. That's why, please hear me, that the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian is not because one said a magical prayer at the age of eight and the other one didn't. That is not the main difference. The difference is they have completely different root systems. And how do you know that? Because it develops into a fruit system. And where you have your roots, I don't care what prayer you might have said, your roots are going to demonstrate what your fruit are, is all about. So they have, these two trees have two completely different root locations. And so you put your roots down in the sand or in the desert sand, you're going to be one kind of person. You put your roots down by the water where there's nourishment and, and, and you have a relationship with God, you're going to be a different kind of person. It's not that you might do this and that. No, you're two completely different people. That's the whole idea of it. That's why one is cursed and that's why one is blessed. Pastor Walker, okay, my question is, well, what does it mean to put your roots down then? If it's that important, that life-changing, what does it mean to put your roots down? Well, I'm glad you asked. There is a key word that shows us exactly what that is, and it's in verse 5 and verse 7. Look at it. Blessed is the man, circle it, who trusts in the Lord. Says it again, whose trust is the Lord. Then verse 8, it says, he is like a, uh, verse, is it 8? Yeah, no, I'm sorry. Verse 5 is the first one. Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes his flesh his strength. And then verse 7 who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. The key word is trust. That's what I'm trying to get to. So let me tell it to you straight. Your roots and your faith are the same thing. You see? Your roots and your faith are the same thing. Your whole life is based on a system of trust, which are your roots, in someone or something. You have someone or something is your anchor and what you absorb. There is someone or something that you get your stability from in times of insecurity. There is someone or something which you draw strength, you draw health and nutrients out. Whatever it is, that is where your roots are. So let me tell you, how do you know where your roots are? Let me give you two tests. One is a negative test, and one is a positive test, and that'll tell you where your roots are. The negative test will tell you where do you look for, where do you find support, and how you can anchor yourself when the heat comes. The, ne- the positive test 
Not where you look for support, that's the first one. This is where you look for satisfaction. What really brings happiness and joy into your life? So let me give them to you one at a time. The negative test. What do you worry about the most? It's okay, take the moment tonight and think about it. Don't just hear me talk. Muddle in your mind, what is the thing that you worry about the most? What scares you the most? So let me ask you a question. Is there one thing, is there one thing in your life that if you lost it, if you had to forfeit it, if it was taken away from you, the bottom of your life would fall apart? It would just drop out. You're not sure if, if you lost this or you didn't have, you're not sure whether you could really make it or not. For some people, it might be their job and the financial security that it brings and paying off the things that you have and taking care of your family. For some of you, you can't imagine, if something ever happened to my kids, I'm not sure what I would do. Some of you, it's your health. You know, if I went to the doctors and something was wrong and I got a diagnosis and they told me and it was serious, life-threatening, I'm not sure how I would handle that. And, and you could probably think of others. See, what do you worry about? What scares you the most? Where, and in those times, where do you go for support? The positive test is, what does your mind go to to get satisfaction? Um, where do you go to get joy and happiness when things are really, really tough? I mean, when you are overwhelmed, when you are emotionally parched and distraught, I mean, some people go to material things. I mean, they think about their home or wanting to redo it and redecorate it or remodel it. I mean, some people get their satisfaction out of buying something. If I could just go to the mall and pick up a couple things or get a box from Amazon in the mail. Um, if I could have a new appliance or a new car, that would really make me happy if I could have this. Or a, a, a new wardrobe or some new outfit that's in fashion. Or See, is that what makes you feel good? Because whatever makes you feel good, whatever you draw your nutrients of happiness and satisfaction, that's really what your roots are, he says. How crucial is this? Hold your finger in Jeremiah and turn to Matthew's gospel, if you would. What you find your happiness and satisfaction, what you find your life anchored in or satisfied in in difficult times, Jesus said is incredibly telling, and he communicates this truth in a parable that I think that you're at least somewhat familiar with. It's the parable of the soils, which kind of goes along with our text in Jeremiah. And in Matthew 13, let me read it for you. In verse 18. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what, he is, what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. That's the first one, first kind of soil. And for what was sown on rocky ground, on stony ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. See, you get the Bible and the gospel and at first, it brings happiness and, 
and satisfaction and joy is the word. But look what happens. When the heat, we'll call it this, when the heat comes and the wind blasts and the rain doesn't come, see, when you need it. Yet, here it says, he receives it with joy, yet he, underline it, yet he has no root in himself. In other words, he didn't put his roots down. They weren't really down deep in God at all. And, and what does it indicate? Well, it, it endures for a while, the joy happens for a while. The happiness happens for a while. But what happens? And when tribulation or persecution arises on the count of the word, immediately he's scandalized. In other words, I, you know, I didn't think this was part of what it meant to follow Jesus. I didn't think, you know, if I love God and I come to church and I do all these things, and, and I thank God, I thought he would do this for me. And the trouble comes and the heat comes and you're getting sunburned and you're drying out and it's been a long time since the rain came. Where do you find your satisfaction? Where do you draw the nutrients? Well, if you don't have roots in God, you won't be able to find it. And some people think they can, and they try to put their roots down deep in the things that they own and the possessions they have and what they can purchase or buy. Some people, you know what they think of and go to? They, their mind goes to people. And they don't find their security and satisfaction in a job or a big house or a title behind their name. Some people are different. They'll go after the people in their lives. And if I could have a romance, I could have a guy or a, a girl in my life. Or you know what? If I could get children, it's my children and my life revolves around my children. And I, they're everything to me. And, and if something ever happened, and you don't even want to talk about it. Or maybe it's your friends that you have. And teenagers are certainly like this. They can't imagine your friends are everything to them, even more at times than their family are. And, or perhaps it's your spouse and that your wife is the greatest thing ever in your life. And that's a good thing to some extent, right? But is th are those the places that you go? Are those the people that you go to um, that you draw your nutrients? Is that person your security? Is that person the source of your satisfaction? If something happened to them, and I've seen it unfortunately happen, where someone's spouse die or their child's die, and after a while they don't even come to church anymore, and they blame God. And, and, and you know what happens when their life is ruined by things of that nature? See, they, they've come to the realization, oh, that's really where my roots are. That's where I really found security and stability. That's what was the anchor of my life, and you took that anchor out, I'm not able to do it anymore. So some people it's material things, some people it's relational things, and some people it's achievement things. And in difficult times, they think about how they've accomplished this or that, and the kudos they should get, and the applause they should have, and the accomplishments in their career, or the success they have, and all the things they have because of that. And they live off of people's praise and what people think of them. And, and they get involved in political or social causes. And look at all the charity that I've given to this. And here's what I do for other people. And I'm always doing things for other people. But it's not for all the reasons that you might think. The reason they're, a lot of times, what they're doing, what they're doing is because that's where they find the security. That's how they make it. People still think I'm great. Or they have a hobby that they're really into. Or other people, it's the goals that they set for themselves. You know, I'm going I'm a, 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 to go to the gym, and I'm going to be muscular. I'm going to be fit. I'm going to be this, and I'm going to be beautiful, and I'm going to be... And they have all these things, and that's where they turn to. That's what their mind goes to. Their goals, their hobbies. 
what they have for their lives. So what am I saying? I'm saying this. Your ultimate concern is where your faith is. It's what your roots are all about. And where you put your roots down will determine whether you're a dwarf juniper tree or whether you're a green tree. It will determine everything about you. Jack and John, metaphor, they're having a conversation. And they're having a conversation about something that's really important to both of them. And in the conversation, it gets kind of heated and it turns into an argument. And they both are saying and are mean and rude to one another. Afterwards, Jack comes up to John and he wants to make it right. And he apologizes and admits that he was rude. But at the end of his apology, he says something like this. Well, you know, John, you were rude too. You see, and John is an, an executive, and he makes well over six figures, close to seven. Way different than Jack. And he has these things and certain things in his life, and Jack doesn't have those things. And, and you know, when John says, hey, you know you were rude too, you know what he says? He replies very seriously, yes, I was, but I'm a great person. And you say, like, no one in the world, Pastor Walker, would ever say that. Maybe not. But let me tell you, if they did, what would it be saying? What would he be saying? You know what he's telling you? He's telling you where his roots are. That this is how, see, this is how I handle when somebody criticizes me. You know what I go to? You know what my mind races to? I say whatever you want about me. I'm already a great person. I've already exceeded this, and I have this money. And look at all the things I have. See, that's where their identity is. That's where their roots are. And so you may criticize them, but you know how they get past it? Not God in themselves. Do you see what the, the, Jeremiah is saying? See, cursed is the man who trusts in man. See what Jesus said? If you put your roots down in yourself and not in God, see, you're going to handle things, whether someone criticizing you, someone telling you that you're wrong, someone telling you that you should change. See, you're not going to be able to handle that. You won't be able to handle worries. You won't be able to handle fears because you put your roots in the wrong place. So what is sin? It is what I find my ultimate delight in. If I asked you tonight, I bet almost everyone in this room could quote Psalm 37.4. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the, what? the desires of your heart. So how do you get the desires of your heart? Does that mean, well, if I really delight in God, then I ask him and he gives me anything? No. Do you see how they go together? Delight precedes desires. Because if I delight in the Lord, what will it change? My desires. So if I delight in the Lord, can I ask him anything and he'll give it to me? Yes. Why? Because I'll want the things that he'll want to give me. Because my delight is in him. He's my ultimate satisfaction. You see how it works? Sin is not making God your ultimate satisfaction. It is making someone or something other than God the delight of your soul. And so here's what Jeremiah says. Look at verse 7, Jeremiah 17, 7. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. And then seemingly almost an identical phrase follows it. Where, whose trust is the Lord. Now, why in the world would he ever say that? 
What does that even mean? It's possible, hear me out. It's possible to trust in the Lord without making the Lord your trust. Let me say it again. It's possible. Now listen, because this is the reason why he says verse 9. The heart is deceitful above all things, desperately sick. You know why he says you can never trust your heart? Because of this very verse. Here's what he's saying. Here's what your heart can do for you. Your heart can trick you and deceive you in this way, that you can trust in the Lord, but you're not really trust, your trust is not the Lord. What does that mean? Let me put it in 21st century way. You use God as a means to an end. In other words, you're not trusting in the Lord as he's your trust. You're trusting in the Lord to give you what you really want. See, I trust in the Lord so that he'll give me, you know, I love God, but I'm really loving him and trusting him. You know why? Because I really want him to give me a spouse. I really want him to give me a promotion. I really want him to put my health back in order. I really want him to, and you fill in the blank. So here's what he says. The blessed man is who trusts in the Lord and whose trust is the Lord. Satan comes to God and says this about Job. Here's what you got to do, God. You want to see where, where Job's roots are? Take everything he has away from him. Here's what Satan says about Job. You know why he loves you so much? You know why he's so committed to you? Because you give him everything. Take away all the things you've given him and he will curse you to your face. Satan's think, thinking exactly what this verse says. You know why he trusts you? His trust isn't you, Lord. His trust is in you, so you'll keep giving him all this stuff. And he thought that Job had deceived his own heart, and he must have been to some degree shocked because when God allows Satan to go and take everything away from him, what does Job say? The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And what does Job say? I don't trust in the Lord so he can give me something my trust is, is the Lord, period. So anytime you say, I trust in the Lord, and then there's some condition added to it, there's something, I trust Jesus plus this, see, then you've deceived yourself because the object that you want God to give you when you trust him is actually where your roots are. Do you see it? That's what Jeremiah says. The man who is blessed who has God as the end, not the means to an end, but the end itself. In other words, I trust you, God, and if you don't give me these things, and you don't do this for me, and you don't answer my prayer, and you don't heal my child, and you never do this for me, and all those things go south, God, I still trust you. That's the blessed man, he says. And the question has to be, well, how in the world does the guy have the ability to do that? Because of where his roots are. You know where they are? They're stretched out by the river of water. That's what it says. So he's able to trust the Lord when he doesn't get a spouse. He's able to trust the Lord when he doesn't get the good job. He's able to trust the Lord when his sickness isn't healed because he's come to the realization that I don't trust God and use God. I trust God because he is God. And can I tell you this? You know why there are so many people who have so many things and yet they're still overwhelmingly dissatisfied, disappointed, and depressed? It's 
because they have their roots in the wrong place. And that's what I want to close with tonight. There's the root of our sin and there's the fruit of our sin. There's one more parallel I want to show you. It's in verse 6 and verse 8. And in the Hebrew, here's how it reads. Verse 6. He will not see the prosperity when it comes. This is the shrub tree. Verse 8, parallel to that, verse 6 is he will not see the prosperity when it comes. Verse 8 is he does not fear when the heat comes. You see that? Here's what that means. Rain comes, but it doesn't really change the shrub. You think well, when the rain comes and you get some good stuff, the, dr- the shrub that's really parched, well, he'll do better. But you know what happens? He doesn't really see the prosperity. He doesn't really have it. It never sticks with him. You know why? Because no matter how much rain comes, his roots are still in the wrong place. So you get all these people in Hollywood or, or in big business or in other places in life, and they get, you know, if I could have this, and they get their stardom, and they get their break, and they make money, and they get in a movie, or they have this, and their success in sports, and, and education, or whatever it is, and they, wow, now I really got it. And, and here they find a little bit later, I'm still not happy. And so we get the stories of people who divorce over and over again, people who commit suicide and kill themselves, and, they, and their life is a wreck, and they end up being on drugs. They have millions of dollars, but they can't, they're addicts. Why? Because no matter how much rain came, never change the fact that they're a shrub and their root is in the wrong place. You can't change it no matter how much rain you pour on it. Conversely, you know what it says? It says when the heat comes, when the heat comes, he won't fear. So if you're the tree planted by the water, the rain doesn't come, and you get a little brown, but you're still okay. Why? Because the weather and the circumstances and the situations can't change where your roots are because your roots are in God. And so when you take away things in your life, success, a loved one, health, you know what happens? Your life isn't dramatically changed by it. Not that you don't feel it or you don't hurt by it or you don't cry over it. We're not robots. But your life doesn't fall apart because of it. Why? Because it's not the main thing. God is the main thing. Because your roots are in him, see. In other words, water doesn't help the shrub and no rain doesn't hurt the green tree. And the reason is because of where their roots are. If your roots are in God and he's your main thing, the issue will not be the weather it will be the placement of your roots. Jeremiah closes with this. What's the answer, Pastor Walker? The answer in verse 10 says, in Jeremiah 17 in verse 10, I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind. See, I I search you. And you know what I do? I, I testify. I'm going to give you according to the ways of your, according to the fruit of your deeds. And then a little bit later, down, he goes down there and he says, heal me, O Lord, verse 14, and I shall be healed. Save me and I'll be saved. Here's what trees cannot do. You cannot change your roots. Trees can't change the roots. You know what has to happen? If you're going to get healed, you're going to get saved. If you're going to change, you have to have God do it. Heal me, O Lord. In other words, you have to do it. You need outside intervention. You need someone to take you up by the roots and transplant you by the water. See, out of the wilderness, 
Roots in the wilderness, roots in the water. You need to be transplanted. And I, and I hate to tell you, for a tree, quote-unquote, it hurts because to, be, to do so, you have to completely uproot where you are. And that's the problem with people. See, they're holding on to all the things they think will give them security and satisfaction, and, and, and they say, oh, I can't leave all that behind. And don't you realize that's what's ruining you because your root's in the wrong. You need to be uprooted. See, they need to be completely saved. We call it regeneration or born again. You need to have your roots completely taken up here and transplanted here. That's what brings the change. You need intervention from the outside. So let me close with this. What is salvation then? It's putting, putting your roots down with God through Jesus Christ. That's what salvation is. And what then is sanctification? Sanctification is putting your roots deeper into God through Jesus. And I'm going to close by having you read with me Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17. Would you turn there? How do you get saved? You put your roots down in God. How do you get sanctified? How do you continue and grow in your relationship with God? The same way you keep putting your roots down and making him where your roots are, where you get your stability, your anchor, your, you absorb the nutrients comes from God, his word, and your relationship with him. And Paul says it looks like this. Verse 14, Ephesians 3. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory... He may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. Why? So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being, underline it, you being rooted and grounded in love. So that's what salvation is. When you put your roots down in God and then grounded in him, and then that just grows and spreads deeper and wider so that you have a capacity to love God and you have the capacity to love others and then you'll be able to say, oh, I can handle that fear. I can handle that worry. I can handle that situation. You know why? Because it can't touch me ultimately. You know why? Because my roots are in God. Not in the thing it's touching. It's in God. And I stand like a green tree instead of the shrub. And that's the only way you'll handle those things properly in your life is when your roots are truly in him. Let's pray. Father, help us. Help us to realize it's a root problem that we face. And perhaps some people tonight here or watching over live stream, they keep trying to change the fruit without ever changing the root. It's not going to work. And it, perhaps some of people that are listening tonight, they just need completely uprooted they need to come to the realization that they need to be born again, truly born again, a, a, a whole new place where they're rooted in so that fruit can really grow. And for some of us tonight who have been planted by the water and, and that's a reality in our lives, what we need to do is to get a little deeper in our roots. We need to get a little closer to the water, uh, Lord, that we can bear fruit. As Jesus said in John 15, fruit that would abide and remain under the glory of your name. May that be true in our lives, Jesus, uh, for your honor and glory, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.